Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast that has as many postseason wins this year as the Nashville Predators. It's time to do just a little bit of stargazing. I am joined, of course, by Greg and Tyler this evening, as well as, obviously, KT working the magical mixing board. Greg, Tyler, how are you guys doing? Doing really good. Nothing to complain about. There you go. I, I thought about, you know, last time around it was Toronto catching catching the stray bullets, and I figured I'd I'd take it easy on those guys and, and go back and and throw a little shade at the uh, the Western Conference champion parenthetical regular season Nashville Predators, who, um, you know, they got a, they got a couple games extra on the Stars in the postseason, but really went same same result into the end of the day and. Yes, I thought I thought it'd be a good place to start, you know, keep the mood light. And, and you know, this is obviously we're in the middle of the, the playoffs and, and Dallas isn't participating, but there's still plenty to talk to. So we're going to, you know, we're going to do a little bit of hypotheticals this episode. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about um, talk about what might have been, talk about what could be uh, and talk about how the offseason is going and just see uh, see where the evening takes us right see what see what whimsy befalls our our noble podcasters and um you know just it's going to be exciting i think it's going to be real high energy we're we're going to kick a little butt um just just pumped man just super super pumped watching the new york islanders once again defy logic and expectation and and apparently cruising to victory over the boston uh boston bruins so so first off we'll, we'll open with a little a little brain teaser and, and tyler i'm gonna pick on you first so far favorite postseason storyline go uh i think it's just the fact of how um yeah i think i i love a good postseason series sweep and it feels like we've just been treated to them because i just love well first i love the reactions everyone has to them because you have the one side where the team will who won is all top of the world like oh my god we're unstoppable no one can beat us like taking again for instance like the montreal canadians type right now like they're feeling and then the other side you get the um you get like the Edmonton Oilers and they lose and it's just like, oh my God, it feels like the world's falling apart. And then you have the Jets who felt like both ends of that. So I just like how that's been like a treat we've been getting multiple times just to see the sort of fallout and massive reactions and overreactions you get from that. I mean, it's nice, right? We have we have yet another Connor McDavid flame out. We've got Toronto not getting past Montreal you know we've got we've got a, a Shifley suspension. The the hot takes are are just a boiling this year, and it's it's been as a fan as an unattached fan. It's been it's been nice. So so Greg, same question to you. Favorite off season storyline so far, or postseason storyline so far? Man, man, I think I think it has to be the fact that you've got so many um, powerhouses that have gone down early. I mean, you, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, Toronto, all losing in the first round. You've got the Bruins on the edge here in the second round. So you've got potential, you know, you got Montreal already um, basically in the what would be the conference finals round. You've got the Islanders almost uh, looks like they might be there. So just really some uh, 
teams that, uh, you know, if you, at the beginning of the postseason, you're probably marking them as one of those teams that get swept. And here they are playing uh, potentially for the right to go um, to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, it's been a year that's maybe challenged some it's funny, right? Because at the same time, right, we've got some some age-old adages in that that the the offensive leaning teams, right? The teams that have a couple of, of big guns like Edmonton and Toronto are are home now and the team that at least from a perception standpoint, you know, the the guys that don't necessarily have the firepower but have the system and the Islanders and the Canadiens are, you know, seemingly poised to advance. And, and so on the one hand, right, that sort of 200 hockey men right out of central casting exactly what they've told you would happen. But then you've got the completely bonkers go nuts Colorado Las Vegas series or Vegas series. And then you've got Tampa Bay just steamrolling anybody and everybody. And it's it's. I, you know, I don't, we were, we were joking about this in the, in the pre-call, right? It's, it's always funny. You always want as a, as a fan, right? People try and emulate the winners. So I always want the interesting teams, the, the teams that play a, 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 an aesthetically pleasing style, the, the good teams to win, because you know, I'd, I'd much rather the rest of the league try and be Tampa Bay than the rest of the league try and be Montreal. Just no, no offense. Um, and it feels like this postseason is, is sort of on the, it could go either way. I've, I have no idea what's going to happen. I, th- I thought that I did. And honestly, it's probably Tampa, which was the answer all along. But at the same time, it's it's really hard to to watch everything that has happened to this point and feel any kind of confidence in, in knowing what's going to, to happen down the line. Yeah, I had a I had for my uh, pre-playoff predictions, uh, Toronto winning over Boston. So I officially have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man such is hockey such is hockey but again this is we'll use that as our that feels feels like i i can i can smell a segue when presented it feels like a pretty good um <laughs> pretty good moment to do we'll pivot this this is a dallas stars podcast after all um going back to the target of our aggression during the the initial call the nashville predators one question you know one obviously this was a, a very tense very very tight season, right? Dallas really until the last week or so was at least within clawing distance of a postseason berth. And, and I want to start with a big question and thinking about, right. And this is a little bit hindsight 2020 and that's fine. And that's fair. Thinking about how this postseason has developed so far in particular in the disco in particular, contrasting with Nashville's journey, is this a year where you would rather Dallas had somehow found the four extra points that they needed, right? Squeaked in and, and replaced Nashville as the, the disco division's final seed. Or is this a year where, you know, maybe missing isn't the worst thing in the world, get a little bit healthy, figure things out. So, so just, just for a second, and, and we'll start with you, Greg, because we started the title last time. Would you rather be, you know, the Nashville Predators or the Dallas Stars right now? Man, so, okay, so this is gonna kind of a twofold answer because obviously you want to make the playoffs, obviously. I mean, that's the goal because then you saw what happened last year. Dallas kind of looked like they were limping into the playoffs and then all of a sudden, boom, they go on a roll that they're in the finals. So you never really know what could happen. But given the take or given the season and given what they went through with all the injuries and all the people 
that, that were shuffled in and out, you know, people not playing all year, losing Radulov and, and people like that, and Rope Hintz being a kind of a nighttime decision every night. Um, going through that, you almost think that maybe this is a is actually a blessing in disguise. It's not like uh, you're dealing with um, a, a group of guys that are extremely young. I mean, they do have young players, but you're also dealing with people like Ben Bishop and Sagan and Ben that, um, you know, have some miles on them. And, and it might be a little bit better than uh, to get in the playoffs and be bounced in the first round, um, you know, and, and maybe risk another injury or so. Maybe it is, uh, maybe it is okay. So, I think hindsight being 2020, if you know you're going to get bounced in the first round, kind of like Nashville did, then, then I, I'm probably okay with the, with the way things turned out. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's it's interesting, especially with a team. Dallas is sort of a team of two parts, right? On the one, they, they've got players like like Hintz and and Robertson and, and Garyanoff even, and some of the younger, but then they've also counterbalanced that with with the Jamie Vins and the Alex Radulovs and the, the Joe Pavelskis of the world. Tyler, where do you fall on this particular question? Yeah, so it's similar. It's like kind of a, a two different things. So, so from a very practical standpoint and like long-term big picture, it's like, no, it probably was better for the Stars specifically to miss just the fact that I mean, they were so beat up, you know, after a long and getting torn up throughout the playoffs last year, and then people not undergoing surgeries because, or off-season procedures, because they didn't know, you know, when the new season would start up and whatnot, and, you know, just losing so many players or players like Heinz that were just playing hurt the entire year. It's kind of like, okay, the, the Central kind of finished a bit earlier than the other divisions, which meant missing the playoffs means you get an even earlier head start on recovery and all of that. And so there's that kind of practical standpoint of, okay, heal up, do better for next year. But at the same time, it's just like, as a fan, like there's just nothing better than playoff hockey and getting to watch. And it's like making the playoffs is a good thing for the franchise. And especially knowing that there would have been some fans in the building when there wasn't any last year, uh, because of the whole bubble setup, it's kind of like, you know, I miss that, that even if it meant only getting to watch six games and getting bounced in the first round, it's still like that, you know, that would have been nice just to see some of that playoff hockey, even if it was short lived. Yeah. And, and as I think about it, I think I, I come down where you do, right? Because if, if they were, it, it would have been nice to see how, you know, Jason Robertson might respond. Although at the same time, He's getting reps or he got reps at the world, you know, world championships. And that's, that's valuable as well. But I think it would have been interesting to see what this team might've been able to do having taken a breath, right? Because one of the, the fix, one of the fixtures of the the season was really never an opportunity to slow down, to practice, to stop, to heal any of that stuff. And there would have been a small breather between playoffs and there would have been compared to what got them there a little bit more time to, to plot and to plan. And I think it, it would have been interesting to see what this team, especially considering all the adversity they felt along the way, might have been able to accomplish. But at the same time, having watched the playoffs, Carolina was was such a buzzsaw that I just wonder, you know, the, the naysayer in me thinks that that maybe 
did I did I really want Tyler Sagan testing his hip in a a playoff series against the Carolina Hurricanes, something like that? Um, you know, how about Greg? Greg, what are your thoughts? So you know, and, and something that was said there by Tyler that, and then you you picked up on it too was you know the fact that they were playing every other night for the last you know two months of the season, and then you think about the playoffs are the same way, and now you think about it you look at it, you know, we're mid June right now. This is when the Stanley cup final would normally be happening. And if they're talking about maybe starting the schedule again, next season, more closer on time, you know, starting in October, then a a playoff run, you're even going to have a shorter off season this year um, than what you would for the, to heal those injuries and stuff like that. So throwing that into the mix, then, then maybe it is like you guys were saying, you know, the whole, the, the bigger picture of things. Um, if you factor that type of stuff in, then, you know, it's probably, um, it's probably not a bad thing that they um, had to, uh, to sit out. Yeah. I, and I think that's, I, I think we'll, we'll split the middle, right? Because I, I think that you're both very correct in that, once you get in, anything can happen and factor in some of the, the cathartic. Like it's, it's very hard to watch some of the games in Florida and in Carolina and in New York and see the crowds coming back. And it's, it's difficult to watch those and not feel envious about, you know, what it might have been like had the, the American Airlines Center been, been rocking and rolling and even just a first round, first round series. So on the one hand, that's, that's definitely a shame. But on the other to your point, this this is a team that that is not cooked by any stretch of the imagination, and a team that went through a very unique and, and peculiar sort of of punishment last season. And it does feel like if ever there was a year to maybe put aside the natural fan impulse to want playoffs, that hey, this 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 wasn't a bad year to miss out. Uh, Tyler, do you disagree? No, I mean I agree, and I think. Like you kind of hinted at, I think the fact that last year of getting that experience and almost kind of makes you go like, okay, don't be a bit too greedy. Like we got to see them go pretty much the distance all the way down until um, the very end. They didn't win it, but we still got to live through that. So experience that, you know, many teams and many fans don't get. So it's kind of like, okay, there is a bit that goes it's fine if you don't miss make the playoffs this year, you know, because that's going to gear you up for be able to do another potential run or something like that. I mean, it's, it's just kind of frustrating, you know, because you just, you want to be able to see your team not only be in the playoffs every year, but also go the distance to go far. But, you know, just from a practicality standpoint and all the injuries and, you know, how crazy good Carolina looked and Tampa Bay as well. Boop thrash Carolina more or less. Uh, It's kind of like, yeah, that's, I'm not sure I would have necessarily enjoyed seeing those games, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and we'll, we'll take it one step further. And now I, I really am going to, to torment both of you. So, so let's, let's for a second, imagine a world in which this isn't a team that was a, a skating mash unit for the better part of the season. Again, knowing what we know about how Tampa has looked and how Carolina and Florida and Nashville and even the rest of the league, knowing what we know about the composition of this team, what what do you think the the real ceiling and real potential of this version of the Dallas Stars would have been had they not spent the entire season kind of fighting against themselves? And, and Tyler, let's start with you. 
Uh, so, all right, just to clarify, are we talking about if their real ceiling of just how they were or as if they were all healthy? Or... Yeah, great, great, great clarification. Let's say, let's say they squeak into the playoffs and let's say they get, you know, thanks to the way the schedule works out, let's say at some point this team gets an extra week or so of rest and they get into the playoffs, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and not get too insane. And the guys with season enders, like, you know, Bishop wasn't coming back this year. That's pretty apparent. Radulov, he was toast, but you know, maybe, you know, what happens if Hintz gets a little bit of extra rest? What happens if Sagan gets some time to work back from his hip, right? Excluding the guys that were, you know, done for the year, right? If, if this, if the team that we saw for the bulk of this season was able to take a little bit of breath and get on the ice in the postseason, what, what do you think they might have accomplished? All right. So I think they could have, they didn't really do so hot against them uh, throughout the year. I think they could have pulled over the upset, so to speak, over uh, Carolina. I think when you get to the fact of, of what would then be a rematch with Tampa Bay, I mean, I think at that point, even with some extra rest, you're still looking at a Stars roster that was, you know, just like with the Cup Finals the year before, um, probably just a little bit too beat up in order to overcome that hurdle. You know, I think with the fact to specifically, you know, against the Hurricanes, I think they could have relied a bit more on their, you know, their defensive style and shutting down their opponents and as well as potentially getting a... Um, uh, strong, solid performance from which, whichever goalie they decided to put in net uh, on any given night. But I think, even realistically speaking, if we're thinking, um, you know, of how they would have gone into the playoffs, even with the extra rest, I couldn't really see them getting past Tampa Bay without, you know, some sort of fluke injury happening to, um, you know, Kucherov and Stamkos and Palsovsky all have a big collision in the middle of the ice and they all get knocked out for three games. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Greg, Greg, do you do you disagree? No, I agree. I think that you, you put them up against uh, Florida or Carolina. I think they have a good shot at pushing it seven games, if not winning, um, winning the series um, outright, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Tampa Bay, I think, was... Uh, so for whatever reason, Tampa has their number right now. And uh, Vasilevsky, just when he sees the stars, it's like he did, grows three feet tall and gets about eight feet wider and they can't get a puck past him at all. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the, the same type of thing. And who knows? I mean, you, you see what's happened um, even so even in the Mavericks, you know, let's jump sports and go to doubt to the basketball. What what the what the AAC was like with fans, mm-hmm. um, man. And, and you talked about it um, just a little while earlier that, uh, you know, if uh, if you get into the playoffs and then also now they're allowing fans into the building. I mean, you got three games potentially at home that would have been rocking. And um, who knows what that does and how that invigorates uh, the, um, the, the, the team as well. Yeah, I think that's to me, that's where I land is the, the this season, the way that everything has landed, knowing knowing what we now know about Kucherov's health, knowing what we know about Stamkos's health, for that matter, like this this particular season, the hard cap limit on any team coming out of this side of the bracket was Tampa Bay and you know, they, they could have given them a run. They certainly did. 
you know, they certainly the there were some moments during this regular season where they were were competitive, and I'm I'm not saying it would have been a laugher necessarily, but Tampa Bay just looks like they're on another planet right now. They yeah. they handled business against a very good Florida team, as well as a very good Carolina team, and and yeah, the series had moments, but was there ever any second during either of those series where you kind of tilted your head and thought, you know, Tampa might not get out of this one. Honestly, no. Right. That was that. But I, I do think that this roster was good enough and, and could absolutely have given any other team in the bracket a scare. I think they could have hung with Florida. I think they could have hung with Carolina. I think they could have handled comfortably Nashville again, assuming everybody was healthy, right? They, they, that was the big X factor, but I think that's a pretty realistic, um, that that I think was the ceiling of this team. They they could have, they they could they were right in the muck with Tampa or sorry right in the muck with Florida and Carolina as teams that that would have pushed pushed uh, Tampa and ultimately finished you know second. Which I think you know and we'll we'll go ahead and and start easing this thing towards towards the finish line. Where where do you see? You know, we're we're gonna we'll probably make this a fixture of our offseason podcast because it's it's interesting. So I'll give you you gentlemen a moment to to put on your your Jim Nil mustaches of great power and decision making. Again, knowing what we know about where this team is and, and knowing what we know about what might ha- you know, where the question marks are, what do you think the number one priority for the Dallas Stars should be this offseason? We'll start with you, Tyler. I, it's 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 a uh... It's a bit tricky just because I it's there's no real like action plan for it, but I think you just gotta get healthy. You gotta make sure that everyone that you're going in that you're gonna not just even your top players, not just making sure that you know Heinz or Sagan or hopefully Bishop are ready to go, but just kind of making sure that um, up and down the lineup and that even your AHL depth, you just gotta make sure that you get healthy because we saw it at the talking back and over again but you know the playoffs last year and then throughout this entire season you know the stars when they are completely healthy that they are able to you know accomplish a lot they're able to get really far but then when they just you just start adding up some of those injuries you can see where their lack of strong depth as opposed to like a tampa bay you know i think that's a big stark difference is tampa bay can go an entire regular season without their best player and still you know dominate essentially and so i think they just gotta focus on you know yes would it be nice to add some big splashy name uh, of course um but i think the secret here is you just gotta say okay you know you've kind of committed to this roster i mean this is pretty much the the year to go for it you just gotta make sure that everyone is uh rested and that you're able to adequately fill in and not have to push someone you don't need to have someone who's injured playing every night because otherwise you might not even make the playoffs you need to be able to give those players rest so that you don't screw your up yourself up uh, further down the line yeah yeah I, I definitely think that's fair and and greg how about you what's wave a wand right what do you bring to this team <laughs> this offseason yeah i i think that tyler hit it right on the head that you have to get healthy this is a team that, man, we were just talking about what the ceiling would have been for a team that, that as constructed. I mean, but then you start thinking about what would the ceiling be for this team if 
they had all the pieces. You know, if Sagan played the whole year, if Bishop played at all, um, you know, if Radulov stayed healthy, I mean, you're looking at a team that potentially is up there competing with, um, you know, Tampa and Florida for that top spot in the division. Um, you know, it's the it's the same people that played last year's playoffs and made it to the cup. So I I, I 100% echo what Tyler said. I, I will tell you, though, that this offseason intrigues me. And it's all because of because of the team up in Seattle and and you have this expansion draft. And so you've got, you know, you've got decisions that have to be made on who you protect, who you don't protect, who you let go. um, And then so you don't know in six weeks who's actually going to not be here because of that not even just who you're going to let walk because of contracts or whatever or, or because they go to a different team it's more that you don't know who seattle is going to pick off your roster um out of the people that you allow to be to be there so there's a lot of that but but i will tell you that one of my things that I really feel like, and I don't know if it's this off season or not, but they really need to start looking at uh, at uh, how they're going to lock up um, Miro Heiskanen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, he's he's getting to that age and that place where you got to start looking at um, contract wise that you want to be sure that he's going to be here. Um, you know, I could see him potentially taking over that C. Um, the captain spot um, from Jamie Ben, you know, in a couple of years. Um, and he's a player that uh, we saw last year in the playoffs, how well he shined in the spotlight. So I feel like maybe, maybe not this off season, maybe next year, but you really got to start thinking about how you're going to work that into your salary cap and how you're going to make com- that room for that contract um, because you're going to have to pay him and you're going to probably have to pay him quite a bit of money um, if you want to keep him around and uh, and make sure that he doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting in, in that. I mean, frankly, the Klingberg deal as well. Dallas has some some business to take care of to really decide what they want to look like as a team. I think to me, it's it's the three sort of the, the I, I, I kind of take Miro out actually, as I think about it, because they're going to get that done. You don't, you don't not get a player like Miro done for me. It's more, what do they give Klingberg? What do they give Alexiak? And how much of this team's identity is going to be tied into goaltending and defense um, versus do they maybe take a risk by letting, you know, Alexiak go and use that to hunt for a forward? Right. Or, or even if, if this Klingberg thing goes south, which I hope that it doesn't, this is a Klingberg stand podcast. But, um, you know, if, if there is a problem there, does that turn into their leverage to, to maybe Im- improve the forward line as well? Because I think that's where, by all rights, right, that's where we should see the change for the Dallas Stars with guys like Cogliano and Como kind of likely moving on and, and guys like Delandria stepping into more prominent roles in line. Like, what does that what what does that unit look like? Because the the defense, even even accounting for you know Klingberg's ultimate you know fate and and Alexiak's contract, most of the defense is relatively settled. Lindell right seems to not be going anywhere. Klingberg will be here for at least part of this next coming season, most likely. Miro gets done, so it's really the forwards I think where we're going to see the most um most most turmoil. Yeah, and then also you know to to also the the goalie situation. I mean, you've got Bishop coming back, but how how good is he going to be? Um, is he going to be 
Bishop before the pre before the injury and before the surgery? Is he still going to be, you know, one of those guys that you can hang your hat on that he's going to go out and he's going to make 40 saves if you need him to, and he's going to be able to shut people down. Um, And if not, then also, what do you do? I mean, Hadobin this year obviously took a step back from what he was in the bubble. Jake Ottinger showed signs of being that you could be that number one goalie. He did struggle at times. I mean, he's young though, and I get that. So, so you've got, you got some decisions to make there as well as uh, what are you going to do with uh, the goalie situation going forward? Yeah. And I think it's, it's unfortunately adding one layer of difficulties. It's not just that the stars have decisions to make. It's that they're, they're dependent. Those decisions are dependent upon Ben Bishop's knee. They've, yeah. they've got to figure they don't they don't necessarily get to be the ones that say what Ben Bishop is going to be when he comes back. Right. They, they're kind of stuck seeing how that responds. And, and you know, just much like this past season when they had to see how um, how how, you know, Hudobin was going to to kind of carry the load. And there were some inconsistencies there. And and next season it's going to be. Yeah, we're, we're just all you know, there's there's some version of. You know, do as stars fans, are we assuming are we assuming that um Hudobin's gonna bounce back? Are we assuming that Bishop is gonna be healthy? Are we assuming that Ottinger is not going to regress? Are we assuming three of those things, one of those things, two of those things? Like which which of those assumptions are are going to guide the way the Dallas Stars manage their offseason? Yeah, and I think I, I think it's something uh, I think Saad Yosef uh wrote about recently, but like you know, you're thinking about all the different goaltending situations that could happen and kind of harkening back to what uh, Greg mentioned earlier about the Seattle expansion draft. Like, you could very much find yourselves as the stars in a situation where Hudobin gets taken and then Bishop isn't able to return or he's only able to return to a certain extent or gets hurt again or something like that. And you're pretty much having to ride a your as you're... Uh, your go-to guy and the only guy and who knows, you know, maybe he'll be able to take that step forward. Maybe you'll have like a Carter Hart suddenly meltdown season. I mean, it's, that's the situation you don't want to find yourself in, but it's something that's not going to have too much control over to an extent. And, you know, again, if that, the, the, the crazy thing about the expansion draft is not only a standpoint of, all right, Dallas is going to lose a player. Who are they going to lose? But it's also just going to be the, fallout of what happens with the rest of the league. I mean, suddenly, you know, there's going to be some teams that lose goaltenders. So even if that's not Dallas, does Dallas then look to maybe move Udobin to one of them for some picks or something like that? Or, you know, maybe a team uh, is losing some of their uh, strong defensemen and we decide to, okay, hey, we don't think we're going to resign Klingberg or we want to get ahead of Lindell's no move uh, clause. Like there's, there's so much fallout that will happen, not just from, you know, oh, a, pl- a team loses this player to Seattle, but specifically how they go about adjusting that and the aftermath and then factor in an entry draft where a lot of people think it's going to be, well, it's going to be super hard because of the lack of junior hockey this year. So because you know, the who draft knows what's normally such a predictable, reliable mechanism, right? Well, I know. And I just mean, like, <laughs> usually you could think like, like for instance, in the stars in this perspective, I would, usually this would be a case where you're like, okay, yeah, maybe you try to go all in this year, and this is a year where you know you trade your first rounder to try and get immediate help. But is there a team that's actually going to be like, 
yeah, we want to trade one of our star players for, um, even for a struggling team for a 14th overall draft pick this year, you know, and so it'd be just interesting to see what's that kind of point is this already chaotic event that happens with uh, trading and roster construction and then throwing in the expansion draft that will essentially be happening right before it. And it's just going to open up. It's just going to be a chaotic offseason. I'm all here for it. Yes, it's going to be interesting. And we'll, we'll go ahead and bring this thing into the barn. I'm glad that you mentioned um, the expansion draft. And, and we like to play the fun prediction game to wrap up a lot of these. So who do you think the stars are going to leave exposed in, in the expansion draft. I think it's going to boil down to, I think after the season Joe Pavelski had, you kind of, you protect them and you don't even risk that Seattle takes them for the whole purpose of them pawning them off and someone else with a half salary retained. I think you got to boil down to whether you're uh, protecting Foxa or Jason Dickinson and, you know, Fox had a down year, but I mean, they gave him a long-term contract for a reason because they believe in him. I think Dickinson is the odd man out and would be a pretty sound pick for Seattle. Greg, do you agree? I do agree. I, I still, I go back. I think that you might lose it open. Um, I, I think that uh, obviously it depends on what other goalies are out there and predicted, but yeah, Dickinson um, or or Hadobin would probably be the the one that I would probably look at. Yeah, if he if he'd play, I think the Stars were were really hoping he would play well enough to be a no brainer selection, and, and unfortunately, I, I just don't think that happened. And I'm I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree with Tyler, and that I think if you're if you're the Dallas Stars. At this point, offense is such a premium. You saw so much chemistry between Pavelski and Heinz and Robert Henson Robertson, and there's been so many, so much talk and so many stories about his impact, kind of off the ice, behind the scenes, as as kind of a leader in the roster. I don't, I don't know if you're Dallas. I don't know that you hate somebody picking Joe Pavelski in his contract, because that certainly gives you a lot of, of cap flexibility to do something else. Right. So, so, you know, maybe that's not end of the world style disruption, but you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to take with, with as many goalies or as as are available and the way that he seemed to play at times, I don't think Hudobin is the guy that you want if you're Seattle coming right out of the gate which, you know, if you're Dallas, I think you're right. Like I, we mentioned this in a previous podcast. I think every team in the NHL needs a player exactly like Jason Dickinson. He's he's wonderful, but the unfortunate reality is that players like Jason Dickinson are much easier to find. Frankly, there it's it's kind of plugging a guy in anywhere in the lineup in short bursts is is not as comparatively difficult is finding a guy with Joe Pavelski's offensive upside or, or even, you know, last season was a tire fire. So I guess you're maybe gambling that he recovers and it was the wrist, but, or a guy with an elite skill like Fax's defense, right? Even if he's not necessarily, you know, the, the type of guy that can slot into a score. And say, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's gotta be, if, if anybody's got to go, I think you, you hope it's Hudobin, and I say that with, with love in my heart, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be Bishop, and they can't get rid of Ottinger knowing where the other two goalies are, right? So 
you hope that Hudobin is the claim. Um, and then probably a close second for me is, is if, if they've got to take somebody, if you, you have to leave, you know, if you've got to, I think Saad had it in his article uh, today, right? If you've got to leave two, you know, one of the three of, of Pavelski, Faxa and Dickinson unprotected, it's, it's Dickinson 10 times out of 10, right? Unless you've got some, and, and I guess, unless you think Fox is cooked and that last season wasn't the wrist and it's just, you know, kind of falling off a cliff, which doesn't seem to be the attitude or seem to be the case, but yeah, that's, that's where I'd go as well. Yeah. And everything you said, right. 100%. And it's one of those things where that's what makes it so much fun is because, you know, it's one of those things where, Dickinson, um, we're sitting here saying that, but then all of a sudden, if uh, if uh, Seattle's picked several players similar to Dickinson, they may go somewhere totally different yeah. because uh, they're trying to fill a need. So it's just it's such a great uh, it it drives me crazy that they do it this way but at the same time it's so much fun because we get to analyze and we get to predict and we get to try and figure out um, the mind games going on uh, between the different general managers and stuff and and to be clear right i would be thrilled at you know seattle loading up elsewhere and not taking dickinson i think the dallas stars definitely appreciate um and definitely benefit from his play he's just he's just easier to uh it's it's easier to to replace what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think you put it well. I think every team needs a Jason Dickinson, and that may be why Seattle takes them. But and if he does, they do. Well, it, it sucks for Dallas, but you can find another Jason Dickinson. Absolutely. But we'll see. We've still got a little bit of time. We've still got some playoff hockey to enjoy. Uh, you know, and 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 we'll we'll just have to wait for the uh the off season to begin in earnest and the dallas stars start answering some of these questions thank you both um for your time and your insight kt thanks for stitching this all together into something that that is semi-coherent and everyone have just a, a lovely a lovely evening